Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Reading During Recess. I am Terry LaRue, and I'm a first grade teacher. I'm Sarah Hansen, and I'm a writer and also a teacher, a high school teacher. This is our 22nd episode, and we are going to be talking about Lewis Sacker's YA novel, Holes. I love this book. Me, me too. A lot of people love this book. It won the 1998 U.S. National Book Award for Young People's Literature and the 1999 Newbery Medal for the year's most distinguished contribution to American literature for children. And in 2012, it was ranked number six among all-time children's novels in a survey published by School Library Journal. Well, Lewis Sacker already had written a lot before Holes. He's an American children's slash young adult author, and he is best known for Holes, but he's also really well known for the Wayside School series, which might actually be my all-time favorite books. In my like teaching program, we did a little write-up for one of our English classes about our favorite kids' books, and I, like no competition, Wayside School series. They are incredible. But we're not talking about those, although we will. Yeah. We're talking about holes. Lewis Sacker was born in 1954 to a religious Jewish family in New York, and he attended college at UC Berkeley, where he actually studied economics. As a college student, he took a class which involved him helping at an elementary school for three college credits. He was a noontime supervisor, a.k.a. Lewis the Yard teacher. And of the experience, he said... Quote, it became my favorite college class and a life-changing experience. And this experience served as inspiration for the Wayside School books. And they are incredible. He features in the Wayside School books as uh, Lewis, the yard teacher. <laughs> I can't start talking about them because I won't be able to stop. And then we'll spend another four hours making one episode. <laughs> So Sacker did graduate with an economics degree, and he began working on sideways stories from Wayside School, uh, which he worked on at night for nine months, and during the day, he worked at a Connecticut sweater warehouse. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> I remember my early days as a Connecticut sweater warehouse employee. Yeah, you know, before you make it big, everybody right. has to pay their dues. Exactly. You got to put in your hours at the Connecticut sweater warehouse. <laughs> And at night, you have to have deranged ideas for children's books. <laughs> They're truly deranged. Yeah. He's an odd duck. That's the one where, like, a boy is just a pile of raincoats and a rat, oh, right? Oh, my God, it's so good! Yes! Yes, that series is, like, wildly unhinged. Whatever. Sacker also went to law school, but uh, he kept writing. This guy's super busy. And mm -hmm. by 1989, his books were selling well enough for him to actually write full-time. So he no longer had to hunch over his little desk in the dimly lit nighttime hours, <laughs> skittering out his little stories about dead rat raincoats and <laughs> whatever else he did. And he could finally quit the Connecticut sweater warehouse. Finally, which I guess we're assuming he kept doing while he was in law school. <laughs> yes. Because he did the writing at night and he did law school during the day. So he probably did the Connecticut sweater warehouse at a third undisclosed time. Yes. He had one of it, Hermione's time turners, maybe. Exactly. He also is married to an elementary school counselor named Aww. Carla Askew, who has served as inspiration for some of the characters in his books, which is cute. That's very sweet. And he considers Holes to be his greatest accomplishment. It's funny, too, because in the interview that I read where he said that, they asked him, it was not like, what is your greatest professional accomplishment? It was in life, like, what is your greatest accomplishment? And he was like, professionally and personally, it's got to be holes. 
<laughs> like he has. I love him. He has children. You know he has a cameo in the movie. No, he's the, he's the bald guy who Sam gives the onion juice to. Oh yeah, in the beginning. That's so fun. So. Like Sarah said, when the book came out, it was a huge commercial success and got a lot of rave reviews. Sarah, do you want to read us one? Yeah, so this one comes from the New York Times. It was written by Betsy Hearn in 1998. And she said, one of the most successful aspects of Sacker's writing is his use of folkloric devices, especially the repetition of themes and phrases, such as Zero said nothing, that heighten anticipation. Zero finally says something crucial. Other traditional features include the rhyming song that has come down through Stanley's family, the moon's recurrence in both the song and the barren landscape pitted with craters by years of digging, for treasure, as it turns out. Between the tightly fitted plot and the signifying wordplay, Holes is a smart jigsaw puzzle of a novel that middle grade youngsters will want to solve on their own. And she goes on to say that a lot of nearly flawless children's novels like Tuck Everlasting, which we also love, are written by women and are strongest in their appeal to girls. The boys certainly enjoy them in a classroom or group situation. But this children's book, Holes, a finalist for the National Book Award, that's before it won, is written by a man and projects magnetic attraction for boys, but make sure the girls don't miss out on it. Well said. I hear that. So, asked about his inspiration, Sacker said, I've always believed that I learned to write for children by reading books written for adults. For instance, Kurt Vonnegut's Hocus Pocus and William Goldman's The Princess Bride influenced the way I wrote Holes. I liked the way the opening chapters of these books were sort of short and jumpy and how they led into the story. And The Princess Bride had these colorful characters in this bizarre setting, and that's sort of like Holes. I would agree with that. I love his... He is big on terse verse, Mm -hmm. you know, and... It's gripping, honestly, especially as far as kids' books go. I think it makes it accessible to young readers, and I also think that it it keeps you on your toes. You know, he does jump back and forth quite a bit, Mm -hmm. um, even just in the opening scenes, and then consistently throughout the book. But it is, oh, it's really wonderful. Yeah, it's really well done. It puts a certain amount of trust in the reader that they're going to follow along. And we talk in my creative writing class that I'm teaching now, we're talking about, like, trusting your reader that your reader is smart and you can leave some gaps and your reader will enjoy kind of jumping over them to figure out what's going on and yeah that's something that I feel like Sacker does well I agree well shall we let them know what happens yeah so let's do a little plot summary for the listeners in case it's been a while since you've read holes or maybe you've only ever seen the movie which was our entry point into it we'll talk about the movie more later honestly probably would have covered about what you need to know yeah so the novel is primarily about a boy in the present named stanley yelnats and his time at camp green lake but it frequently flashes back to two other stories the story of elia yelnats who is stanley's great-great-grandfather and the history of the town of green lake texas which is where the camp is in present day Terry, do you want to tell us why Stanley Yelnats's name is Stanley Yelnats? I would love to. If you read Yelnats backwards, it is Stanley. So Stanley Yelnats' name is Stanley Yelnats, both forward and backwards. And he's actually Stanley Yelnats the fourth. What it, What would fun, your name be you know? if it was the same forwards and backwards? Okay, so if my if we're just going with my first name, it would be Terry Irrit, which <laughs> could work. I guess. Like, right? That's not yeah, awful. Yeah. But if I did it the other way, it would be Ural LaRue. Ural LaRue. Ural LaRue. Ural LaRue. Uh huh. 
And I sure am. Okay, hold on. Don't you forget it. Mine would be Sarah Harass <laughs> or Hanson Nesna. Amazing. I also like this one, Teresa Asirit. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But let's not take the shine off Stanley. Yeah. Also, I read that he originally put his, he just couldn't think of a last name for Stanley. And so he just put his like last name as Yelnats as a placeholder. And then it just, he just left it. So. But that's like kind of a pivotal part of the book. I know. In a way that we can talk about. Yeah. The book opens with Stanley's bus ride to Camp Green Lake, which we learn is a juvenile detention camp. And we learn that he's going there because he's been accused of stealing baseball cleats that once belonged to the famous Clyde Sweetfeet Livingston, and which had been donated to a charity auction for the homeless. But Stanley maintains that he, in the book, it's not just in the movie, right? In the book, they fall on his head. Right. Yes, which is a, no offense, like a really shitty... <laughs> yeah defense and i am not remotely surprised that they found him guilty bummer dude (laughs) so while he's on the bus stanley considers his bad luck and blames it on elia who his family refers to as his no No good good, dirty dirty, rotten pig stealing great 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 grandfather I want to be clear to our listeners, because there is a mild delay between the two of us, it's not that either of us are suffering from some sort of, like, intense brain hemorrhage. (laughs) (laughs) We do know all of those words in that order, (laughs) but it just, it sounds real bad. So, Sarah, do you want to just say it solo? (laughs) Yeah, okay. His no-good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather. Yeah, so their family frequently joke that their persistent bad luck is the result of a curse placed on his no-good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather and all of his descendants. And Stanley remembers his mother telling him about one of his ancestors, Elia's son, who was Stanley Yelnats I, who was robbed by the outlaw kissing Kate Barlow and who was found borderline insane in the desert eight days, not eight days, 16 days? I don't remember. Too many days. But who maintained that he had survived by finding refuge on what he called God's thumb. Mm. But no, you don't have to listen to crazy men who talk to you about God's thumb because that sounds like some silly nonsense. And I'm sure it won't be relevant in the second part of the book. (laughs) (laughs) So he arrives at Camp Green Lake and Stanley realizes that the camp is not really much of a camp. And there's no lake in sight. It's a desert wasteland. There is a limited water supply, and the only shade comes from two trees, which are beside the warden's cabin. And also, the landscape is lousy with yellow-spotted <laughs> lizards, which I thought were real for a long time. I was so scared. And then my dad told me that they were just, like, bearded dragons or whatever that they painted yellow dots on. I know. And honestly, I don't... God, I rewatched the movie actually today, and the CGI is atrocious. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I think they sold them really well. And yellow spotted lizards are in the book insanely venomous. If one of them bites you, you will absolutely die pretty quickly mm-hmm. uh, and pretty pretty painfully. Basically, the area is hostile to the nth degree. And pretty soon after he arrives, he meets Mr. Sir, who is the equally hostile middle manager and renowned Girl Scout hater. 
like every second phrase that he says is that Stanley needs to understand that he's quote not at a Girl Scout camp or that this ain't no Girl Scout camp. And he also meets Mr. Pendansky, who is the detent counselor and who is much more like chipper and friendly, but also like astoundingly pathetic and clearly not an ally in all this. And he also meets the rest of his bunkmates, uh, X-Ray, whose real name is Rex, Armpit, whose real name is Theodore, Zigzag, whose real name is... Zachary? Oh, yeah, that sounds right. I think it's Zachary. Uh, Squid, who is Alan, Magnet, who is Jose, and Zero, who is not given another name, and who uh, Mr. Pendansky tells Stanley is stupid and that there's, quote, nothing going on in his head. X-Ray, on the other hand, appears to be the leader of the group. Yes. Stanley learns that he's expected to dig a five by five. That's feet, not inches. Um, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> yeah. They're little spoons. The warden's like, how is this taking so fucking long? <laughs> Why haven't we found anything? Yeah, so Stanley learns that they're expected to dig a five-foot-by-five-foot hole every day to build character. Obviously, everybody knows that digging holes builds character. I know. That's why Sarah and I have zero character. Yeah. And both of us, like, really suck. (laughs) And if you find anything, quote, interesting in your hole, then you need to turn it over to the warden in exchange for a day off. And a day off is good, because the conditions here are atrocious. There's not a lot of water. They find that out pretty fast. And um, they have, like, shower tokens that they have to turn in. So everybody smells bad. They have, like, two pieces of clothing that they are two different, like, jumpsuits that they have Mm -hmm. to rewear over several days. It's absolutely rotten. Yeah. And at this point, the novel flashes back to the story of Stanley's no good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather who, as a young boy in Latvia, loved a beautiful girl named Myra, question mark? Probably. Yeah, but didn't have anything to offer her father as a dowry. And he confided in a local Egyptian woman named Madame Zeroni. They use the G word, but I don't think that's chill. So well, I think what would be it. more accurate would be Romani. Oh, was she not Egyptian? I thought it said she was Egyptian in the book. Well, they say gypsy, but... Okay, yeah, in the book it does say she's an older Egyptian woman. But they also say gypsy, so those things are not synonyms. I know, I know. What do you want me to say? Okay, well, she's an older, not-white woman. She sure is. And the book doesn't seem to be clear on what kind of not-white she is. I guess maybe it's just, like, from Elia's point of view, you know? He's going with the old-school Yeah, he probably doesn't know the difference, yeah. Anyway, so she's either Romani or Egyptian. She's not white. Her name is Madame Zeroni, and he confides in her a lot uh, and enjoys talking to her, which is not the case in the movie, but which I think is very sweet in the book. Yeah. Apparently, he, like, hangs around her a lot, and they chit-chat. Mm-hmm. But she gives him a, a little piglet, it's a runt, and tells him that he can fatten it up by carrying it up the mountain and singing a certain song to it as it drinks from the stream. And she tells him that if he does that every single day, the pig will get bigger and he'll go stronger from carrying it. But she does make him promise that after he's gotten what he wants, he will come back and do the same for her. So he will carry her up the mountain and sing to her while she drinks from the stream, which is a incredible request. I love that. And the idea, right, is that he will have a big, impressive pig so that when he 
offers to marry Myra, her dad will be like, yeah. For sure. Because this is Latvia in the 1800s. And I think that was a thing back then. Sarah, you live there. So, like, (laughs) you should probably know better than I do. Well, for starters, there's no mountains in Latvia. So. What? (laughs) (laughs) We've been bamboozled. So the pig does grow, but on the day that Elia brings it to her father, uh, he realizes that Myra is very stupid. They have this terrific interaction between (laughs) her and him and another suitor. There's another man who would like to marry Myra, whose name is Igor, who is, I don't know, like late 40s, dirty, Mm -hmm. and not too bright. And Myra's like, oh gosh, I just don't know who to choose. (laughs) And then she's like, oh, I know. And he's like, oh, boy. And then she's, she's like, I'll pick a number between 1 and 10. <laughs> and at this point, he's like, you know what? I actually can't do this. So sorry. Thanks for playing. And he decides to follow the first piece of advice that Madame Zeroni gave to him, which is to sail to America like her grandson did. Mm-hmm. But it's not until it's too late that he realizes that he forgot to keep his promise to Madame Zeroni. And he does marry and is happy in America, and he has a son, but he and his wife are plagued by bad luck, and they do begin to believe in Madame Zeroni's curse. While Stanley is at the camp, he writes a letter to his parents, and he lies to them and says he's having a great time. And he's interrupted by Zero, who asks him if the shoes that Stanley stole had red X's on the back. And Stanley is like, what? It's also worth noting that, like, Zero does not talk at all. So he is, A, talking to Stanley, which is surprising, and B, this is the first inclination we have that he might be involved in what happened to Stanley. Uh, A few days later, while Stanley's digging, he finds a fossil, and he brings it to Mr. Pendansky because he's assuming that he's found something interesting. But Mr. Pendansky says that the warden is not interested in fossils. And X-Ray sees this interaction and intercepts Stanley on the way back to his hole and tells him that if he, Stanley, finds anything, he should hand it over to X-Ray because he's been there the longest. Yeah, the warden is not interested in science. Which sucks because I'm obsessed with fossils. I love fossils because the kids get really excited about them because they sound like the kind of thing that nobody finds, you know, like Mm -hmm. that you just see in museums to to get to show a kid something and say, like, this is a real fossil. They get really excited. And this is kind of off topic, but, but like, Corey took me, well, he went climbing. He took me to this place called Reed's Creek that has a ton of fossils. And I came back with, like, 16 of them. Like, I just, like, loaded up my pockets with <laughs> fossils. Because I actually believe strongly in the leave no trace approach, which is to say, whenever I go somewhere, I leave no trace of what was there. <laughs> I take all of it with me. <laughs> Because I like little trinkets and treasures. So I left no trace of Reed's Creek. So sorry. (laughs) But sometime later, Stanley actually does find something. We are getting back on track. He finds a small gold tube. He's not entirely sure what it is. But it has uh, a heart etched on the bottom. And inside the heart are the initials KB. And he's not entirely sure what it is. But he brings it to X-Ray and suggests that X-Ray wait until the next day to show it to Pendansky so that he can have the entire day off. Smart boy. X-Ray turns it in the very next day and Stanley sees the warden for the first time. She is a tall, red-headed woman who obviously intimidates Mr. Sir and Pendansky. Her catchphrase is, you want to say it, Terry? I'd love to. Excuse me? 
which she says, I don't know, in response to a lot of things. Like, honestly, after I was like, because in the movie, you can hear her tone, you know? Yeah. And you're like, ooh. But in the book, it's kind of like, whoa, she's, she's really confused. <laughs> so digging escalates at the warden's instruction. She gets very excited and wants more digging to happen, specifically around the area where X-Ray claims to have found the tube. However, we know, and Stanley knows, and X-Ray knows, that that's not where the tube came from. The tube came from Stanley's hole. Stanley realizes that they are digging to find something, not to build character, and he wonders who KB, the initials on the tube, might be. Meanwhile, Zero has been approaching Stanley more often, and at one point he confides to Stanley that he can't read, and he asks Stanley if he would be willing to teach him, but Stanley turns him down and reflects that not only his hands have hardened in his time at Camp Green Lake, but his heart as well. Hmm. A few days later, Magnet steals a bag of Mr. Sir's sunflower seeds out of his truck, and Stanley winds up taking the fall. And Mr. Sir takes him to the warden, who then smacks Mr. Sir for wasting her time. And Mr. Sir retaliates over the next few days by denying Stanley water. So Stanley eventually does agree to teach Zero how to read, and in exchange, Zero offers to dig part of Stanley's hole every day. And Stanley realizes that Zero is actually very smart. He's a fast learner, and he's also something of a math whiz, which is something they left out in the movie, but which I think is a cool detail. He's Mm -hmm. um, pretty gifted in math, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And finally, Stanley realizes that uh, the shape of the gold tube is was probably a lipstick tube. And then he thinks that uh, KB probably stands for Kate Barlow, a.k.a. Kissin' Kate Barlow. And then the novel flashes back 110 years so that we can learn the backstory of this lady. So Kate Barlow was the school teacher in the original town of Green Lake, Texas, which for, um, or at least when 110 years ago, was a thriving lakeside community. And in addition to being the school teacher, Kate Barlow was like resident hottie. Mm -hmm. And she also made insanely good spiced peaches, which she uh, would jar and exchange for things. And over time, she develops a very sweet romantic relationship with a man named Sam, who is the town onion man, which I guess is a job you could have then. (laughs) He has an onion field outside of the town that he rows to regularly. He has a wonderful donkey named Mary Lou, and he also happens to be black. So this relationship is not one that is vocalized. Yeah, Uh, because Kate is white. Yes, Kate is white. Yeah. And after Kate turns down local asshole Trout Walker, who is like, the, he's I guess he's the son of the guy who owns the lake and is a huge tool and also can't read. So I don't know if <laughs> he gets off like saying shit. That's another like part of her job is at night she teaches adults in the town, mostly like men who would like to learn how to read who can't, which is admirable work. But Trout Walker has the audacity to like say some shit. You can't read. <laughs> so there's that. So she turns him down, and later she's spotted kissing Sam, which is against the law. And the townspeople retaliate by burning the schoolhouse and setting out to find and lynch Sam. And Kate Barlow goes to the sheriff for help, but he refuses and says that it was against the law for Sam to kiss her, and he demands a kiss from her. And he says, like, you'll kiss the onion picker. Kate Barlow tries to escape with Sam in his rowboat, but they're caught by Trout Walker in his motorboat, and Sam is murdered, and they kill his donkey, and the whole thing is, like, it's 
really horrific scene in a it's it's not like gruesome it's told as like a very like after the fact thing but considering like a kid's book like written in 99 like it's pretty horrific and it was very sad to reread as an adult yeah it's really awful it's really sad uh grief-stricken kate returns to the sheriff's station whatever the next day and kills him and then gives him a little kiss (laughs) thus starting her reign as an outlaw and the narrator also tells us that in the 110 years since sam's death no rain has fallen on green lake thus the lake has dried up 20 years later trout walker and one of uh kate barlow's old students who he married this is one of her students who was a child Uh, this is not one of her adult students so there's a big age gap between trout and his wife of course and they track down Kissing Kate Barlow and demand that she tell them where she buried her loot. Trout Walker lost all his money when the lake dried up. Oh, well, sucks to suck, I guess. Yeah, sorry, bummer, dude. Have... Oh, no, the consequences for my own actions. <laughs> she tells them, you, your children, and their children can dig for the next hundred years, and you'll never find it. Oh, Sarah, that was amazing. That was so good. <laughs> and then she is killed by a yellow-spotted lizard and dies laughing. I love Kate. She is an icon. Uh, so the novel flashes back to present day, and tensions are starting to rise because the other boys have noticed that Zero is digging part of Stanley's hole every day, and eventually it culminates in a physical fight between Zigzag and... Stanley, which then kind of becomes a fight between Zigzag and Zero when Zero starts like wailing on Zigzag. Mm-hmm. And the the counselors break it up and Stanley reveals that the reason Zero's been digging his part of his hole is because it's in exchange for Stanley teaching him how to read in the evenings. And Mr. Pendansky laughs and says that there would be just as much point trying to teach a shovel how to read. He calls Zero stupid and tells him that digging is all he'll ever be good for. And then Zero does the sickest fucking thing in the history of child literature. Uh, He retaliates by hitting Pendansky with a shovel in the face, like a baseball bat. It's insane. He drops the guy and then takes off into the desert because, you know, what what else can you do? (laughs) And no one goes after him for similar reasons as expressed in the beginning of the novel by by Mr. Sir to Stanley, which is like, if you go out there you're gonna die there's no water for 100 miles and sometime later stanley overhears the warden mr pendansky and mr sir planning to destroy zero whose real name is hector's file saying that no one will ever come looking for him and that nobody cares about hector zaroni yeah this is the very early days of the internet yeah Um, so it's funny to hear them (laughs) talk about it And they're like, we'll just erase this boy from existence. They probably like had to just open a Microsoft Word document. <laughs> Clippy popped up and he's like, how can I help you delete this boy from existence? <laughs> I see you're trying to commit fraud. <laughs> backspace, 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 backspace. <sighs> oh, man. But somebody does care about Hector Zeroni. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not just you. It's not just me. It's not just Sarah. It's Stanley motherfucking Yelnats. He cares about Hector Zeroni. So two days later, Stanley is inspired by a new arrival at the camp who is a uh, juvenile car thief named Twitch. 
And Stanley attempts to steal the water truck and drive it out into the desert to save Zero. And he gets probably, I don't know, 20 feet and then drives <laughs> him straight into a hole. Um, and probably concusses himself and yeah. then makes the rest of his way on foot, which is an incredible way to go. And he does eventually find Zero, who is taking shelter under an old overturned rowboat, which is like half buried in the sand and which has Mary Lou painted on the side. And he learns that Hector has, or Hector Zero, has survived by eating uh, jarred peaches that he found in the rowboat, and uh, which he calls sploosh. And this is, of course, the leftover canned peaches from Kate Barlow before she became Kissing Kate Barlow. And the rowboat is uh, Sam the Onion Man's rowboat. They were in his boat. I know. He had her peaches. It's so sad. So Zero is extremely sick, but he refuses to come back. Probably has like botulism. What's that? It's one of the food poisonings that you get from, but I, it's, maybe it's not botulism, which is the one that you get from eating badly canned things. Uh, yes, foodborne botulism can happen by eating foods that have been contaminated with botulinum toxin. Common sources of foodborne botulism are homemade foods that have been improperly canned, which is not a drag on Kiss and Kate Barlow, because I'm positive that her peaches were properly canned, but I'm also saying that was 110 years ago. And, like, some of the jars were good, and some of them, like, immediately popped open with, like, a little bit too much ease. So, realistically, I'm not blaming her, but yeah. I am saying that Zira almost certainly has botulism. Also, they, they've been in the desert sun baking for, like, 100 years, so. Yeah, it's just probably not ideal conditions. Yeah. So Stanley sees this mountain peak that he thinks must be God's thumb. You remember God's thumb from saving Stanley's <laughs> grandfather? Great, great, great grandfather. Great grandfather's life when he got, after he was robbed in the desert by kissing Kate Barlow, he found refuge on God's thumb. Stanley and Zero begin traveling towards the thumb. And because Zero is so sick, Stanley ends up carrying him to the top of the mountain where they find a small amount of water, which Stanley gives to Zero as he sings him his family's song. If only, if only, only the Don't slow down, don't slow down. Okay. You, gotta, you just gotta trust, okay? okay? All right, are you ready? One, two, three. If, if only, if only the woodpecker's size, the bark on the tree was as soft as the skies. The milk low, hungry and lonely. He cries to the moon, if only, if only. It actually is kind of a beautiful song. I would go so far as to say that we did a <coughs> bad job. <laughs> but. But. It is very, and especially in the movie. I don't know. I yeah, it is pretty. It's a little, it scared me when I was a kid. It is. It's spooky. Yeah, so he sings that song to Zero while he, you know, drips water into his mouth. And when Zero starts to wake up, they realize that the top of the mountain is also an onion field. And they spend, I get the sense that's like a couple days mm -hmm. surviving on water that they dig up from the soil and onions while Zero builds up his strength. And Zero tells Stanley that he, Zero, is the one who stole Clyde Livingston's sneakers at the time he was homeless after being separated from his mother, and he had abandoned them on top of a moving car, question mark? I don't know. 
I think it was it a parked. It was probably a parked car, and then the car drove away and didn't realize it. Yeah. And then they flew off the car. Okay. So the boys secretly returned to Camp Green Lake at night, planning to return to the hole where Stanley found the lipstick tube originally. And there, they dig up a suitcase, but are intercepted by the warden, Mr. Pendansky, and Mr. Sir as they begin to climb out. The adults are unable to take it from the boys, though, because the hole suddenly fills with dun-dun-dun yellow-spotted lizards. <laughs> Chills. So they wait all through the next day for the lizards to bite and kill the boys, not realizing that the lizards are put off by the smell of onions. Which is like a really kind of horrific thing to imagine that these kids are in like full sun exposure. Mm. They are exhausted from having lived on onions and water and traveling through the desert. Stanley starts to like hallucinate. It's like completely traumatizing Mm -hmm. for sure and all the warden cares about is getting her hands on that suitcase which she presumes will be full of kissing kate barlow's loot yes and she at various points they talk about like shooting the boys you know like they're they fully intend for the boys to die either because the lizards bite them or i i think they also mention the possibility of shooting them (laughs) and dumping them in a hole yeah But the next morning, the Texas Attorney General and Stanley's lawyer show up at the camp to collect him because recent testimony from Stanley's bully shows that he was busy getting his head dunked in the toilet at the time of the crime and is uh, set to be released. And at this point, like, Stanley does start to climb out of the hole because he's completely delirious and the warden sees the opportunity and says that stanley broke into her room and stole the trunk but when she tries to take the suitcase out of zero's hands zero shows everyone that the suitcase actually has the name stanley yelnats stamped on it as it was the case belonging to his great-great-grandfather uh so not only is stanley set to be released he is leaving with the suitcase and because the camp can't produce zero's files he is able to leave with Stanley while the camp is left with what we can assume will be a serious lawsuit. Yeah. In the final chapter, we learn that the warden, who is Trout Walker's descendant, was forced to sell her land. And Camp Green Lake has closed and will reopen, ironically, as a Girl Scout camp. And Stanley's father finds the cure for foot odor that he has been searching for, which is sploosh, right? Yes. Yeah, he calls it sploosh. And it smells like peaches. Sliced peaches. (laughs) Yes. Oh, and onions. It also involves onions. Yeah. And Hector, a descendant of Madame Zeroni, has found his mother um, and remains friends with Stanley. He uses his share of the money from Stanley Yelnats' trunk to uh, hire a private investigator to find his mom. Is that, mm-hmm. is that, does that happen in the book, too? I don't know if they explicitly say that in the book. Okay, that's what they say in the movie. I don't. Yeah, but it's probably the happiest of all happy endings. Mm-hmm. The only thing I didn't like is the difference between the book and the movie. In the movie, like, all the boys are hanging out together. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved that. Yeah, in the final scene. Yeah. It's, oh, man, so good. But yeah, it's a wonderful book. I love the learning... The, the connections between uh, the warden and Trout Walker and Trout Walker's child bride, who was a redhead like the warden. Mm-hmm. It's oh, it's so cool. There's so many threads, and they tie together so marvelously. 
Yeah, it's just such a such a well-executed book and it's amazing to me that it has one of the happiest endings ever you know but the book is so gritty and doesn't sugarcoat anything you know yeah it somehow manages to kind of hold both of those things at once to be like it's a really harsh depiction of life and like the carceral system and also have like a fairy tale ending it's so wonderful and it's the breaking of all these curses. Like, there's multiple curses. There's obviously, like, the most obvious one is the curse on the Yelnats family, mm-hmm. which is broken when Stanley sings to Zero while giving him water after carrying him up the mountain. Mm-hmm. There's the curse, you know, where Trout Walker's descendant is arrested after murdering Sam, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, all these years ago. And and that breaks the curse on Green Lake, mm-hmm. finally reigns again. It's just, I don't know, it's such a beautiful story. Yeah. It's so wonderful. So one of my favorite lines in the entire book is the justification for the warden's insane plan to reclaim this treasure from Kate mm-hmm. by having these boys dig it up, essentially, which is a lunatic thing to do. And it's explained with the phrase, if you take a bad boy and make him dig a hole every day in the hot sun, it will turn him into a good boy. Which is, like, such an amazing pitch for potential investors, you know? Hi, sharks. (laughs) (laughs) And I live by that, honestly. My students know. They're out there. They haven't learned a damn thing. They're too busy digging holes. (laughs) The stupidity of it is such a good metaphor to the carceral state, you know, and the way that we act like punishment is the same Can thing rehabilitate as people. rehabilitation, yeah. Um, I also love the exchange between Elia and Igor and Myra. Yeah. Sacker's like really good at writing kind of goofy dialogue. Mm-hmm. Myra, said her father, Elia and Igor have each offered a pig for your hand in marriage. It doesn't Wait, that's not a Latvian accent. I've <laughs> each offered a pig for your hand in marriage. It doesn't <laughs> matter to me. A pig is a pig. So I will let you make the choice. Whom do you wish to marry? (laughs) Myra looked confused. You want me to decide? (laughs) That's right, my blossom, said her father. Gee, I don't know, said Myra. Which pig weighs more? They both weigh the same, said her father. Golly, said Myra. (laughs) I guess I choose Elia. No, Igor. No, Elia. No, Igor. Oh, I know. I'll think of a number between one and ten. I'm Mary, whoever guesses the closest number. Okay, I'm ready. Ten, guessed Igor. Elia said nothing. Elia, said Myra, what number do you guess? Elia didn't pick a number. Mary Igor, he muttered. You can keep my pig as a wedding present. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, my favorite part was how um, Myra turned into a Muppet halfway through. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, that's Elmo. <laughs> he got out. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. Elia. Elia. Um, yeah, why, you could impress the audience Gee, with, your, with your knowledge of actual Latvian. That's um, true. You know what she should have said to him? She should have started with the traditional greeting. Sveiki. Meaning, hi. Yes. And then when he gave her the pig, she should have said... Lutzu. No, that's your welcome. No, no, that's your welcome, right? Yeah. Yeah, he should have said Lutzu because she should have said Polias. There you go. 
thank you, which means thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and then, for being such a dumb idiot, she could have said, meaning, I'm sorry. <laughs> which was my favorite word that I learned in Latvia, and which I never got any chance to use because no one ever paused when I screwed up long enough for me to apologize. <laughs> I would say, like, the best scene of all is absolutely when Zero just wails on Pendanski ridiculing Zero, and he says, I know you mean well, Stanley, but face it, Zero's too stupid to learn to read. That's what makes his blood boil, not the hot sun. Not digging another hole, said Zero. And then uh, Pendanski hands him a shovel and tells him it's all he'll ever be good for. Zero took the shovel, and he swung it like a baseball bat. The metal blade smashed across Mr. Pendanski's face. Incredible. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> That kind of leads us into our next segment, and now a word from us kids. Oh, um, my fave. Because someone left a review about that part of the book. This is a review from Ashton. These are all reviews from a website called Dogo Books, where kids write book reviews. And uh, Ashton wrote, I like this book, Holes, by Louis Sacker, because it's funny and action-packed. My favorite character is Zero, because he is like me. Zero doesn't like to answer stupid questions. My favorite part of the book is when Zero knocked out the counselor. <laughs> Damn. He doesn't like to answer stupid questions. You know, Ashton's sick of his teacher. Shall we read CC of the Skies review? Yes. So CC of the Skies says, what an amazing book. I bet this book will be a bestseller. Stanley Elnats is sentenced to dig holes at Cram Camp Green Lake Detention Center for stealing a pair of trainers. <laughs> British. <laughs> she also spelled center the British way. I know. Disgusting. Stanley's quest to discover what he is digging for leads to danger and adventure and to a confrontation with his family's past. Sadly, Stanley technically did steal, but he didn't. He picked them up after they fell from the sky. Five stars. I love the phrase, a confrontation with his family's past. <laughs> I think that was beautiful. Well done, Cece. Sadly, he technically did steal. I don't think that that is a fair assessment. Yeah. I think that that is a revisionist take, and I fully disagree. Yeah. Stanley did not steal. It's not stealing to pick shit up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, otherwise, you owe that Reedy Creek a lot of money, don't you? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm afraid that, like, a park ranger is going to come knock at my door <laughs> and take my things. They're going to take my treasures. <laughs> My bones. My house is full of fossils and bones. <laughs> yeah, well, so am I. You don't see me bragging about it. Sarah, name one fossil inside of you. Do it. My memories? That's beautiful. Honestly, that was touching. Faze Broski, 34, says, This book is the bomb! Stanley is a funny character to read about! Every sentence ends with four exclamation points. Except for this next one, which ends with two. He is a very smart and kind person. He is a five-star book character. He is funny, kind, loyal, and helping. His book will be popular in the next few years. Great book. Stanley Yelnats, why? <laughs> what? Did Stanley, like, come up behind him and kill him? What does that mean? <laughs> the author is so creative with his characters. Yelnats is Stanley spelled backwards. Oh, wait, that one doesn't even have an exclamation point. Yelnats is Stanley spelled backwards. <laughs> five stars. I love how many of these reviews are like, this book has a bright future ahead of it. Right. <laughs> also, this so book many has of, a bright future. <laughs> so many of the reviews mention that Stanley 
Yelnats is spelled is a palindrome. They love that. That's so cute. I'm um, proud of them. Hamster Girl Eleven said, "This book is very interesting. I read it in fourth grade, and I really enjoyed it. There is also a really funny movie that is with the book. Read it before you see it. The book is really funny and sad at times. You will love the characters. Please read. Someday this may be a great piece of literature. Five stars." <laughs> When did these kids think holes came out? I don't know. There's one oh. review later on that says, oh yeah, here it is. Savage Kid 932 says, I think that this is the best book of 2008. <laughs> <laughs> and there was another one that was like, this is the best book of 2020, but it was published, the, the, that review was published six years ago. So I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Spooky. I don't like that at all, to be honest. Golden Glare says, still need to finish reading this. But so far, this is going absolutely nowhere. Two stars. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there My weren't... My favorite is the misspelling of nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. Nowhere. There weren't There weren't very many negative reviews, but this one I just really liked. Because like, she's not even finished with it yet I know, <laughs> she's right? like you know what i'm not impressed i also love that except for the misspelling it's like pretty well written like it kind of seems like something an adult would have sat down and been like hmm. <laughs> i know god leadership one says this was a really good book i like it because it is about a boy who is like me he is brave and stands up for friends <laughs> okay humble brag <laughs> i also like it because he was wrongly chosen <laughs> chosen people in the carceral system are chosen it is their destiny and it was exciting to know who was going to end up good and who was going to end up bad i also like it because he goes to prison camp i really like this book it's so funny because like this something like this happened in a lot of the reviews it's i think it's a lack of knowledge or understanding for like how to express their opinion in writing because what i think they mean i hope is I found the plot line of him going to prison camp really interesting or something. But yeah. they don't know how to attach those adjectives to it, so they just say, I like. So they'll be like, I <laughs> like that Stanley got wrongly imprisoned. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. I wish it happened more often. Okay, so got good news for you, kiddo. <laughs> Devil in all caps says, I think this is the best book I have ever read other than the BFG, which you should go read. I think the BFG and the Mal <laughs> and the Malala Yousafzai book are one of the best books, including this book, I have ever read. You heard it here first, folks. The devil endorses Malala Yousafzai. Oh my god, don't let Tucker Carlson hear this. <laughs> Soundbite on Fox News. I love the diversity in those three book choices, you know? Right? Soffel says, this is such a good book, and I recommend it to everyone that likes to read, and even if you don't like to read, then find an audiobook. <laughs> I love that. Good for you, Saul. <laughs> don't discriminate. Access literature any way you can. Yeah. And if you don't like to read, well, then you better like listening. Because yeah. one way or another, you're going to be learning this story. <laughs> one little 117 said, I read this book in fifth grade, and just looking at the cover, I was not so sure I would like it. But I should game never judge the book by the cover, the use of 
of words are incredible. This book is great for girls and boys, so do not think the book is not for you. This book is for anyone. Fember, after you read the book, to review it and then watch the movie. You can probably find it at your local library or rent it. Trust me, it is worth the money. Please remember to like and follow if you enjoy this post. I promise there will be many more like it since I love to read. Aww. <laughs> Mini book influencer. So cute. That's cute. Everyone fember. Fember. Everyone fember after you read the book to review it. Avatar 1 says, I really loved how Stanley's accused of stealing when he really had nothing to feel guilty about. It wasn't his fault that he found that pair of trainers. Enough of the British. They still sent him to detention camp. You're right. There's another. I really loved how Stanley's <laughs> accused of stealing. Yeah. I can't get enough of it. The carceral system, it's a delight. <laughs> Um, this one I love makes no sense. JL20080 said, Stanley and Zero are spice tackers after eating all that after eating all that garlic. It looks so spicy, all caps, for them, but it's not spicy for them. Oh my god. What? They don't eat any garlic, do they? Sarah, obviously you're misremembering. They ate all that garlic. And it looks so spicy. For them, but it's not spicy for them. Sarah, they're spice tackers. Of course they ate the garlic. Maybe, I think it's going to be spice takers. But what the fuck does that mean? That's not anything. <laughs> I don't know. They're spice tackers. The garlic isn't over. spicy. I know, and neither I'm are sick onions. sick of you. <laughs> neither are onions. Jesus. None of this makes sense. Not a bit. Uh, Soda Pop Cat 100 says, It is a great book about a spoiled boy <laughs> who ignores his parents and goes to military camp. Like, what book did you read? Not old. <laughs> a spoiled boy. Yeah, we've now reached the section of reviews by people who clearly didn't read the book. Oh, this is my favorites. Okay, All right, I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, Unate says, if you like digging holes, you might want to read this book. Five stars. What? Again, didn't Who read is the this book. For? <laughs> didn't read the book. Fire underscore kitten 13. This book is a good one. It just liked the move, but you do not get to see their faces. <laughs> I feel like Fire Kitten might have only just discovered a book. Yeah, the difference. She's like explaining to us the difference between books and movies. <laughs> They're like, it's the same. But in one of them, you don't get to see their faces. I did not like that. Oh, I love these so much. I like this one. Born a Greek. Great name. The yellow spotted lizards give me nightmares because I'm only in third grade. It's wrong that the only reason why they created the camp was to find treasure. Ah! <laughs> Anguished whale. <laughs> so defensive. I'm only in third grade. I'm just a child, please. <laughs> I shouldn't have to do this. <laughs> Poor thing. Oh my god. Gap430 says, This was a really good book. I like how all the kids were a little mean to him, and everything was a problem. <gasps> it was really hot there. <laughs> my summary of middle school. <laughs> I like how all the kids were mean to him, and everything, <laughs> everything was, a, was problem. a problem. That was great. I think it sums it up really well. It's, I mean, all of that is true. There are no lies in Gap 430's review. Yeah. Okay, this review is from Username Holes, which is cute because it suggests to me that they were so excited 
about the book that they made an account just to review it. So Holes says, literally the best book. At first, I did not want to read it and did not like to read. But Holes made me want to read more and more and more. This book made me want to smile. It is a really great book. Me and my friends love this book and would and will read this book literally a hundred times over and over. If you want to read a good book, Holes is a great book to read if you are looking for something to read. It's so sweet. I know. Karkar says, this book is a touching, a little hard to read book that an educated third grader can even read. I like this book because it has a good way of showing friendship and how you don't need money to be happy and you just need love. Like what my family gives to me. This book also shows leadership and even if you are a little overweight, over space, W-A-I-T, you can still do things every other kid can do. It shows don't make in innocent, innocent boys dig to find treasure that does not belong to you. I hope that one day you will try reading this book and find out that you like this book and wanted to add it to your bookshelf too. Hope you like it. <laughs> That's sweet. I know. Educated spelled E D I, sorry E D J I C A T E D, which honestly is great because they're using the confusing long vowel patterns, and. You know, it, it, it makes sense phonetically. It does. It's super phonetic. An educated third grater. Like a yeah. cheese grater. I'm proud of you, Car Car. Well done. Oh my god, do we get to talk about the movie now? Yes. So it's now yeah. time for our segment, The Book Was Better. Or in this case, was it? Question mark. Mm. Don't know. What do you think, Terry? Oh man, I, you already know me. It's I am obsessed with holes. We can talk about this but i in part would suggest that holes is like a strong reason why you and i became such close friends yeah i want to be clear mm-hmm. so the movie came out in 2003 and is kind of like a neo-western comedy drama directed by andrew davis who's actually best known for action thrillers like 1993's the fugitive and uh lewis sacker wrote the screenplay which is why it's so goddamn good mm-hmm sacker said quote i didn't want holes being turned into some soft fluffy film I liked the idea that it would be a director coming from making tough, gritty films making it. It is. He's right. I rewatched it this morning, and it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a real movie, you know? Yeah. It's a legitimate movie. It doesn't feel like a Disney Channel original movie. It's great. It is. It was a success. It earned $71.4 million worldwide and received generally positive reviews from critics who praised its cast, its faithfulness to the source material, and its sense of nostalgia. And it really does have an excellent cast. Uh, mm-hmm. So young Shia LaBeouf as Stanley Yelnats, a Sigourney Weaver in one of, I think, her best roles of all time yeah. as uh, Warden Louise Walker, John Voight as Mr. Sir or Marion Savio, and Tim Blake Nelson as Dr. Kiowa Mom Pendansky. I like that in the movie they make him a fake doctor. I know. Uh, it got a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Sacker loved the film, and in fact, he liked it so much that he would sit through screenings of the film, where he and Davis toured it for teachers across the country ahead of its release. And now, still 15 removed from the screenings, he's hearing from teachers who read the book and saw the film as kids, and grew up to become teachers, and are showing holes to their own students. Which I think is great. It also says the word jackass, and like, crap, which like, at the who time... Who says jackass? Uh, the warden. Mm. It's a bunch of jackasses. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I guess you can't show it to your first graders. 
I can't. Probably for multiple reasons. Also, we know that it gives third graders nightmares, so. Yes, we do. It also has just, like, a bomb soundtrack. Mm. Every single song is a banger. Its theme song is sung by like, the kid stars. It has a scene with that old song, Down in the Down in the River to Pray, but they change it to, like, Down in the Valley. And it's, oh, it's so cool. The whole thing is so cool. Done a lot of things that I'm, that not, I'm not so, so proud, proud of. Oh, I forgot we can't sing at the same time. The best scene in the entire movie is... I don't know. Sarah, can you describe it? Yeah, the scene that's set to that song. Oh, that's like a montage sequence yeah. of Kissing Kate Barlow's yes, 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 exploits. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, then there's... it has like that. I don't know who sings that song. I don't either. It's an amazing song, though. I used to have it on my iPod. It made me want to rob a bank. Yeah. But yeah, it has this great scene with this like montage of Kate that felt made me feel so hardcore as a kid. And I was like, I will survive. I will endure. Done a lot of things that I'm not so proud of. Took a lot of turns that turned out wrong. It's a worn out song. Oh, so good. And she's riding hard through the, the desert, you know, and it cuts to like images of the men she killed standing up in their coffins with like the little lipstick kiss on them. Ugh. And spinning headlines like kissing Kate robs some bank. And I don't know, it's just, it's incredible. And it's such a good movie. And I watched it today, and I watched the scene where Kate, there's this part when Sam gets shot. So in the book, they're on the boat together, and Trout Walker catches up with them in his motorboat, because they're in a rowboat, and it says that, like, Kate is unwillingly taken to shore, and Sam is shot and killed. But in the movie, she's, like, on the bank, and she sees him rowing back, and she calls his name in, like, the most, I don't know, as a kid, I was like, this is acting. (laughs) Yeah. It's like heart-wrenching cry, and then you hear the gun go off, and then she cries again, but the way she says his name is a little bit more like a question, you know? She's like, Sam! And oh my gosh, now I'm getting emotional. But I literally, as soon as it happened, and this was this morning at 10 o'clock, I like burst into tears. Like, I cried so hard. It's just, it's so sad. It is so sad. It's also Um, just like my favorite movie in childhood. Yeah. Didn't you? Oh, Terry, please tell us about your production of Holes that you were in. Gladly. When I was in third grade, you know what? This is probably why it was my favorite movie. When I was in third grade, my drama class put on a production of a Holes musical, which was great. (laughs) My dad gave it poor reviews. He was not impressed by the music that my drama teacher chose. He's like, ah, she chose all these awful pop songs. I thought they were touching I remember them now. They were not good. I was in the chorus. I remember auditioning for Squid and doing a bad job. (laughs) So in the chorus, I wore my little outfit and I had my little shovel and I sang the the theme song. Dig it on, 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 dig it. Dig it on, 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 yeah. Dig it on, 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 dig it. Come in, Sarah. Dig, dig it on, 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 yeah. You've, You've got, got to go. go dig those holes. And then there's like all these different verses where the kids rap and they do such a good job. Shia LaBeouf, surprisingly, does pretty well. I was amazed. <laughs> yeah, I was obsessed with that movie. I got it on VHS for my ninth birthday. It was my favorite thing I received. I remember telling everybody on the bus. And nobody seemed that excited. Like, I kind of thought me saying that was going to have people being like, oh, my God, can I come to your house? Like, we should all watch Holes on VHS. 
I like told the girl sitting next to me, I was like, yeah, guess what I got for my birthday? And she was like, what? And I was like, holes. And she was like, okay. Some people just don't understand art. It's also worth noting that I was down bad for those boys. I had a huge crush on pretty much every single guy in the movie. Like, to be clear, like, child my age. Well, none of them were my age. I would have been, like, what, nine, and they were all, like, 15. But I was madly in love with all of them. Mama, I'm in love with a criminal. It made me want a bad boy. (laughs) Not the kind who has already dug a hole and turned into a good boy. Mm, You want that pre-hole bad boy. (laughs) that pre-hole bad boy. (laughs) I loved them my favorite one was squid i had a huge crush on squid and when sarah and i were freshmen in college we bonded with another one of our very close friends over a shared obsession with the movie holes and she also had a childhood crush on squid yeah i also really like zigzag who was the tall one i was he the one who's kind of like like the hair that's like yeah he was like insane yeah yeah it seems like it imprinted on you in a pretty big way he's probably like what I now realize is like a hyper fixation. Like I was like weirdly obsessed with holes <laughs> as a kid and could have afforded to have calmed down. I mean, it's a really good, it's a really good movie. It's an insanely good movie. It's not even um, just like good for a kid's movie. It's just like a good film. It is. It's a genuinely good movie. Like today when I was watching it, I was thinking, you know what? This movie slaps. And for our Halloween costume, when Sarah and I were seniors in college, we dressed up as the Detent Boys. Actually, that's a lie. We dressed up as random assorted white kids uh, at the uh, at the camp, <laughs> and it was a, such a bitch to find costumes. It was so hard. We were looking for like orange scrubs or something. We couldn't find anything. Yeah. But anyway, it was an incredible costume. We looked great. And the guy who played Zero in Holes commented on my Instagram post. Yeah. Huge. He said, "Which one's me?" Here's the thing. None of us were him because we were white. (laughs) So none of us were him. So I had to dodge the question while still acknowledging that I was more excited than I had ever been in my entire life. Yeah. What did you say? Do you remember? I think I just said, oh, my God, zero commented on my Instagram post. It wasn't a good response, but I was just so excited. Yeah. I was overwhelmed. I still get overwhelmed when I think about it. It's probably my closest brush with fame. (laughs) Actually, I know a girl whose mom is, like, best friends with Rob Lowe. So Mm. I have other degrees of separation. So that's cool. But Rob Lowe wasn't in Holes. Yeah, which is honestly, like, really cringe. Yeah. What's a career if it doesn't at least partially involve Holes? Sigourney Weaver? That. That is a woman. Now that's a woman. (laughs) Now that's a woman. (laughs) When they play that, oh, it's, it's that Moby song. Honey? The one that's plays when she gets out of the car. He's like, I'm gonna come back sometime. I wanna come back oh, yeah. sometime. Doing a terrible job with the words sometime. You know? Yeah. So cool. The coolest scene in any movie ever. And I wish that I looked like that when I tucked like a loose button down into jeans. Yeah. But I don't. And that's my cross to bear, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Incredible film. So transitioning from the topic of the incredible film, back to the book, there was an academic article written by Eva Gold, Ruth 
Calio and Tom Fick in 2007 called Teaching Holes, Wordplay and Reversals in Lewis Sacker's Holes. And it says, the holes in the novel are, of course, the holes that Stanley and the other boys of Camp Green Lake must dig, ostensibly to affect their rehabilitation, but actually to search for the fortune buried by Kate Barlow. You know, I just was, like, realizing, this is not in the article, but it's such a good metaphor, too, for the criminal justice system because of the way that they say that they're helping the boys and helping make them better people, but all they're doing is making money off of them. Exactly. You're exactly right. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just exploitation and legalized slavery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway, so back to the quote. The holes of the novel are, of course, the holes that Stanley and the other boys of Camp Green Lake must dig, ostensibly to affect the rehabilitation, but actually to search for the fortune buried by Kate Barlow. Holes may connote emptiness and nothingness, yet in the course of the novel, Stanley becomes whole with a W. Mm. The secondary character, Zero, the symbol for whose name links him with holes, um, and who is described as having a head with nothing in it, also becomes whole. Indeed, all the apparently disconnected plot elements from past and present are revealed by the end to form a whole as Stanley undoes the curse laid on his great-great-grandfather when he carries Madame Zeroni's great-grandson, Zero, up the mountain and sings him a song. So yeah, I think the way that the book all connects together is very effective, very um, satisfying as a reader. Masterfully yeah. written, mm-hmm. I would argue. And that it was able to make Disney make a movie that's critical of juvenile incarceration. Huge. Also, um, probably a good opportunity to talk about current existing child detention centers. And also false conviction. Yeah, the entire novel is like a great jumping off point. Yeah, and also the reason why Stanley ends up in uh, convicted. I mean, one of the reasons why is because his family is poor. And they can't afford, yeah. they can't afford a yeah. good lawyer. So you are exactly right. Stanley, a 1999 victim of the troubled teen industry. Yeah. Okay, so we'll be rating this book out of 10 onions. Terry, how many onions would you give Holes? Honestly, I would give Holes 10 out of 10 onions, in part because it inspired my all-time favorite movie, but also just because, like, it's a treasure. It's well-written. It's it all, for all the reasons we talked about, you know? It's, it's very... Um, advanced i think for ya lit in terms of its like themes Mm -hmm. and i think it's a great book so i'm giving it 10 out of 10 onions i would agree this is a 10 out of 10 onion book for sure it's a beautiful thing sarah where can they find us so you guys can um, find us on Instagram and Twitter at reading underscore recess or at reading during recess pod at gmail.com if you'd like to send us an email. Please subscribe, rate, review. We love to hear from you guys. We sure do. Sorry we've been MIA for so long. Yeah. But boy, did we come back with a banger. And all you no good, dirty, rotten, pig stealing, great, great grandfathers out there, stay reading. <laughs>